0: Welcome to the Lost Roman Heroes Podcast. My name is Matthew. My name is Matteo. And together we're diving deep into the history of Rome, from its founding to his death, uncovering Rome's greatest heroes along the way and ranking them. Welcome. To our listeners, episode number twenty-five. Damn. That's a quarter of a hundred. That's a quarter of a hundred. That's a big number.
1: That is a big number. I didn't expect us to get this far to be honest.
0: I, I did not expect us to get this far either, but here we are. And for episode number twenty-five, Mateo, we have a special episode on the conspirators. And it's special for a couple of reasons. One, yeah, it's number 25. I also didn't think we were gonna get here. I'm super proud of us, proud of you, proud of me. We stuck with this, and I think it's, I don't know, I think it's coming out pretty cool. I think so
1: too. Uh, I'm proud of what we did so far.
0: So far, so far so good. And the second reason why this is a special episode, Mateo, and this is one that you suggested, This, this episode is all you. Because we don't have a single character to focus on in this episode. Instead, we're looking at the men, mostly men, behind the conspiracy to murder Gaius Julius Caesar. There was women involved? I think Brutus's mom was very much Oh, yeah, but that
1: um, that was Caesar's lover, though, right? Yeah,
0: that's right. And in the process of looking at the conspirators, we're also going to end Caesar's story because we hadn't gotten to the very end, we were saving it for this special episode. So we'll we'll talk about the last moments of Caesar's life in the process. So let's go. So back to Caesar, Mateo, we ended up the last episode with Caesar holding a scroll, right?
1: right.
0: It had just been thrust into his hand. He was walking through the forum And on that scroll were all the details of the conspiracy to kill him, but he didn't have a moment to look at it before he walked through the doors of the theater of Pompeii. And the theater of Pompeii, you probably remember, is where the Senate was holding holding its meetings because the Senate house had burnt down during the funeral for Clodius, AKA Loki, the mischief maker. So
1: it's kind of like Pompeii really got the last laugh. Isn't that crazy? Yeah.
0: Pompey, exactly right. Pompey, in a certain way, got the last laugh. Anyways, let's rewind a little bit, okay? Because we need to put this event, this world-changing event, into some context, alright? Mateo, I want to take you back in time. A long, long time ago, there were kings in Rome. There were some good kings, there were some bad kings. From the very founding of Rome, there was a king. First one was Romulus, until the very last king of Rome, a guy by the name of Tarquinius Superbus, and we covered him in detail in an early episode. So remember, Tarquinius was expelled from Rome by a young man. Right? A young man who should have been taken more seriously. Right. And his name was. Do you remember his full name? Mm, Brutus? Yeah. Lucius Junius Brutus. AKA the dummy, because that's, that's where this cognomen came from, was from this original Brutus. But as we saw in this episode, there is nothing dumb about Brutus, right?
1: Nah, he was, a, he was a pretty sharp guy, just like all the rest of his family would be.
0: Yeah, he was able to take this horrible event, right, which was the rape of a virtuous Roman woman known as Lucretia, and he turned it into a popular movement that not only ended Tarquinius' reign, but it ended the reign of all kings of Rome. He ushered in the birth of the Roman Republic. So now let's go to the conspiracy against Caesar, right? We talked about this a little bit last episode. Caesar always seemed to be rubbing the Senate the wrong way.
1: I mean, yeah, he was just very power hungry and very good at getting power and, you know, they saw that as a threat.
0: And he didn't play by the old rules, right? Nope. He didn't play by the old rules. Because he was a patrician, but he played the game like a pleb. Like Pompey. Yeah, but Pompey was also a pleb. Yeah, exactly right. Or like Amarius, who was a pleb. So that just didn't make sense to the old patricians in the Senate. Because at this point, Mateo, patricians and plebs, you could have very ancient pleb families and very ancient patrician families you could have very wealthy pleb families like those old distinctions didn't really stand anymore but there was still some kind of prestige some cachet associated with being from an ancient patrician family and the julii were amongst the very most ancient because they traced their roots back to aeneas Aeneas, and beyond that the gods to the gods yeah. And so Caesar was always ruffling feathers, feathers. And in addition, he had this attitude of you know that expression, better to ask for forgiveness than for permission.
1: Better to ask for forgiveness, no.
0: Yeah. That means it's better to just do what you want to do. And then just And add. then ask for oops, sorry about that. Yeah. That As sense. opposed to going first to the Senate and saying, Hey, is it okay if I invade Gaul and wipe yeah. out you know, a million yeah. Gaul warriors. Right. So as you said, this was completely out of the Marius Sulla playbook. So very early on, there was resistance, resistance to Caesar. And by the summer of 45 BC, Matteo. so remember, 45 is well into the civil war at this point, because 49 Caesar crossed the Rubicon. By 45, he was out there. Uh, you know, fighting the forces of the Republic and Pompey. And and Pompey was dead somewhere around then. So at that point, Caesar hasn't even made it back to Rome yet. But there was already an active conspiracy in the city of Rome against Caesar, a conspiracy to kill Caesar. And the Roman historian uh, Titus Livius, better known as, as Livy to us, he lived through these events And when we try to understand, like, what was the tipping point? Like, when did this conspiracy really get going? The conspiracy got going, according to Livy, as a result of these three events. First, and I liked this one. I hadn't heard of this. In December of 45, the Senate approached Caesar. Caesar was sitting in the temple of Venus Genetrix. All right? Venus was the founding goddess of the Julii.
1: Right. So
0: he's sitting in the temple, basically, of his family. And the Senate approaches Caesar, prepared to give him more honors. Basically, they show up at the temple to kiss Caesar's butt. Right. And when they arrived, Caesar did not stand up. Which they probably took as an insult, right? Big slap across the face. Yeah. Caesar didn't stand up. So they walk in, prepared to give him all sorts of new fancy titles and honors, and he stays sitting. Problem number one. And then he made this joke saying, hey, guys, instead of giving me more honors, you should probably be taking some honors away. Don't you think?
1: That's a humble guy right there.
0: Yeah. A humble guy and and, and or. uh, Yeah. Is he humble or is he just sticking it to them deliberately or both? Probably a mixture of the both. Yeah. I think so, too. But so anyways, this is a big slap in the Senate's face. And this is December of 45. Remember, Caesar just got back to Rome, I think in October of 45. So he's two months in and and things are already starting to deteriorate. Then in January of 44, Matteo, this is a month later, he's been in town for three months, two tribunes of the plebs discovered one morning that a diadem had been placed on a statue of Caesar that had been erected in the forum. Like an actual crown, or they just built it from our bone no, statue? No, like an actual crown. Somebody overnight snuck into the forum and stuck an actual crown. Jesus. Yeah. It's a prank gone wrong. Yeah, so these two tribunes removed the crown, and a short while later, I don't know if it was the same day or a couple of days later, uh, Caesar was riding on the Appian Way, Matteo, and citizens on the Appian Way saluted him as Rex. King. King. To which Caesar said, hey, I'm not Rex, I'm Caesar. (laughs) Literally. He said, non sum Rex said Caesar. So those same two tribunes that had found the crown a short while before didn't find this funny at all. They tracked down the people that saluted Caesar as king, and they had those people arrested. Whereupon Caesar, also not amused, had the two tribunes expelled from the Senate. What? Yeah. Because he arrested their supporters? Yeah. Exactly.
1: I don't know. That's You're right. I think by the end of Caesar's career, he really lost it because this is just... Yes. I mean, he's messing with all the powerful people. He's ruffling all the feathers.
0: He just he completely lost... He had this... He could really hear the music in the early stages of, of his career, right? He could hear the different, the different tones and the different notes. But it seems like at this point... He's just like, I don't know, he has his fingers in his ears. He's not even paying attention to the music at all. Right. And finally, on February 15th of forty-four, we already talked about this, during the festival of the Lupercalia, or the Wolf Festival, Mark Antony tried crowning Caesar with a diadem twice. Now, Caesar rejected the diadem, he rejected the crown from Mark Antony, but this was in front of all of Rome in a super public place, and it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. So. According to Livy, these are the three events that took maybe a casual conversation of, what should we do about this guy, to an active plot to kill Gaius Julius Caesar. So, Mateo, there was a man named Brutus. who was a very good friend to Caesar's. Yes, he was. Trusted him a lot. He did indeed. That This was a descendant from L.J. Brutus, the guy that toppled the last king of Rome. And in the research that I did for this, I was kind of surprised. It wasn't that this Brutus, whose name was Marcus Junius Brutus, had done a ton to distinguish himself at this point. He hadn't? He had not. So I don't understand why he was insignificant. I don't know, because he came from a family that was a storied family. And this Brutus, what is called Brutus going forward, was 41 years old, Matteo, in January of 44. Now, From one of the most prestigious and ancient families in Rome, a pleb family. I have a question. Yeah.
1: So if the Julii were the first family of kings mm-hmm. in Rome, after they were replaced by the Etruscans, what, they just became an aristocrat family?
0: I think so. Yeah, I think they were just. So Caesar there.
1: technically has a claim to the throne, either ways.
0: Caesar technically has a sure. Caesar technically has a claim to the throne, definitely. Okay. For sure. So this guy, Brutus Matteo, his dad was a tribune of the plebs, who was on the wrong side of Sulla, and he was eventually killed by Pompey. Brutus's dad was killed by Pompey. But Brutus supported. Brutus supported Pompey over Caesar, though, right? He did. So, had lots of contradictions in this guy. His mom was Cato the Younger's half sister. So, typical super incestuous little Roman yeah. kind of network there. And as a young man, he had himself adopted by a relative to break the association with his dad because his dad had this. You he was know, disgraced. Yeah. Exactly, so the name that he was known by Matteo at the time was not Marcus Junius Brutus. That was his birth name, but the name that he went by—this also surprised me—was Quintus Servilius Capio Brutus. What's Capio from? The it was the family that that adopted him. Well,
1: yeah, but is that a cognomen?
0: Uh, Capio, I think, is a yes. It's a yeah. It's a cognomen. Don't know. I didn't look up what it means. Yeah. So, kind of a chameleon, a right? Right. L- little bit sneaky. His appearances were super important for Brutus, as, as they were for Caesar, I guess. So, at some point, Matteo, Brutus was implicated in a plot to kill Pompey in the Forum, which makes sense. Pompey killed his dad. Somehow, Brutus was able to wiggle his way out of that one. And remember when Cato the Younger was sent to Cyprus to become Cyprus's first governor? I do remember
1: that. That was very
0: comedic. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. When uh, Claudius outwitted him, Brutus went with Cato the Younger to Cyprus uh, and served in some capacity. Exactly right. Served in his administration. Then he returned and he married the daughter of a consul, Mateo, starting to move up in the world. That consul was a guy by the name of Appius Claudius Polker. Oh, Polker! I remember Polker. That's yeah. Claudius' his brother. Yeah, he's the he was the brother-in-law oh, to in-law? Loki Polker. Yeah,
1: they have the same name. Wow. Claudius no, Pulker. I must have
0: written that down wrong. It must have been the brother of Loki Polker. No, but it's not. Claudius It's also not Claudius Polker. Yeah, it was, but he had a different first name. No. So. Now Caesar goes to Gaul, Matteo. We're talking 48 BC, and he invited Brutus to join him immediately. But yeah, Brut- wait,
1: so Marcus Junius Brutus was the son of his romance, of his uh, lover. Yes. Okay, so yeah, yeah, that's right. So you saw him like a son in some capacity. Yeah,
0: I think that's right. He probably saw him like a son, and he said, "Come with me to Gaul. We'll make our fortune together. We'll make our names." and for some reason, I'm sure the reason is known, but I couldn't figure it out. Brutus decided not to go to Gaul. And by the way, he was invited to go as a legate. Really? Yeah. So he was going to be leading soldiers in the field? He was going to be leading soldiers in the field, even though he had no prior he didn't, experience. Yeah,
1: and, well, I'm not going to spoil it, um, later on, we see him in the field as well, and he doesn't do a very good job.
0: We do see him in the field. I'm not going to get into it a ton in this episode, but I think in Octavian's episode, yeah, we're going to exactly. see him again.
1: So I don't want to talk about it right now. Okay, let's not talk about it right now. All uh, right, so i talk about it right
0: now. All right. So around that time, Matteo Pompey was about to be appointed dictator or sole consul to clean up the streets. The streets that...
1: He, he... infested.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And around that time, Brutus wrote a letter against Pompey that was widely circulated. And this is one of the quotes from that letter. It's better to rule no one than to be another man's slave. For one can live honorably without power, but to live as a slave is impossible. What does that mean? I think it means he had an issue with like the the dictator concept. Like he, he hated the idea of the sole consul or the dictator or the dictator for life. Uh, and so, just he, like his great ancestor. That's right. You get the sense that this is a story that the family had been telling themselves for 400 years. Yeah, that Brutii are the one that deposed kings. Yeah. And not just the family, but all of Rome. And we're going to see that in a second. Yeah. So, in other words, at the outset of this conspiracy, Matteo, Brutus had done some things, for sure, but he hadn't done anything crazy.
1: Nothing really notable, to be honest.
0: No. I think he just, the family was respected, so his name carried a lot of weight. I think so. But he was a bit of a firebrand. Like, he liked writing aggressive letters. He liked talking tough. And even though Pompey killed his dad, as you said, he still supported the Republic. The Republican forces were led by Pompey, Pompey, and so he wound up fighting against Caesar.
1: Yeah, it kind of just seems like his dad, he just basically saw as what his dad did as unjust because he was on the losing side of the war. And uh, I seem he seems like the kind of guy that he'd look up to Sulla, you know?
0: Without a doubt.
1: Because he just seems like he's very... When he's just a traditional yeah law list. I don't know how to explain it. Like.
0: Well, he's definitely in the camp of the Optimates And he's definitely yeah. in the camp of conservative tradition.
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: Super conservative. Yeah. And he was actually at Pharsalus, Mateo. We mentioned this. And after the battle, after Pompey and the Republican forces lost, at first, Brutus fled the field of battle. And then he sent a letter to Caesar begging for mercy. And Caesar said, my son, come to me. All is forgiven. Not only did he say all is forgiven, Matteo, but Caesar made him governor of Cisalpine Gaul. And Brutus wrote all these beautiful flowery letters saying how merciful Caesar was, how wonderful Caesar was, sent letters to his friends that were still on the side of the Republic saying, you should really come over to Caesar's side. The guy's great. So... That's in 45 B.C. What the hell happened? (laughs) Because by the fall of 45, Matteo, in Rome, on the streets, graffiti was starting to show up. On the sides of buildings, on public monuments, showing L.J. Brutus. Really? Yes. That's kind of... Yeah. That's a weird omen. Yeah. Anti-Caesar graffiti. And what I've read is that Plutarch said that these were not like common joe's on the street that were spray painting like with their with their hoods on. These were the patrician class and they were trying to shame Brutus, Marcus Junius Brutus, into action.
1: They're acting like little little kids.
0: Yeah. Your ancestor did this, dude. And your buddy-buddy was Caesar. Come on now.
1: Yeah, your family's supposed to be known for being the ones that enforce the law, yeah, and keep the democracy. Yeah, and killing tyrants, or if not killing yeah, tyrants, deposing expelling kings. yeah,
0: deposing kings. That's right. The Brutii, depose kings. Depose kings. That's what you guys do. And here you are, basically supporting. Tell me with with a tyrant. So, Matteo, Caesar wasn't blind to this. Caesar saw the graffiti. Caesar knew the pressure that Brutus was under. And here's, here's a quote from Plutarch. And again, we are told that when Antony, that's Mark Antony, and Dolabella were accused of plotting revolution against Caesar, Caesar said, I'm not much in fear of these fat, long-haired fellows, but rather of those pale, thin ones, referring to Brutus and Cassius. So
1: Cassius was the general... Because I remember we discussed in the last episode of the one before that yep. there was some general that we knew who yep.
0: ended up being part of the plot. That's the dude. And oh. we're going to talk about him more in a second. So, apparently this PR campaign trying to not so subtly influence Brutus started to work. Brutus started thinking some thoughts. He just, to me, Brutus, he just seems like a very fickle little dude. Yeah.
1: Like, he's always been a thinker, and he kind of just thinks too much. You know? Yes, yes. Always been thinking too much.
0: Yeah, and probably thinks too much of
1: himself. Yeah, super intense kind of kid. Yeah. Like, the kind of kid that you'd be on the playground with when you were little, and he'd just start, like, talking, complaining, complaining, and talking, complaining, you know?
0: Yeah, I think he's like a chihuahua.
1: He's just, he's trying he's trying too hard to film the shoes that yes. are given to him. Yes, yes. He's too serious.
0: And and you get the sense that the people around him knew very well how to manipulate him. Yeah. So, it's around this time that Brutus calls a fateful meeting. But we're going to get there in a second. In the meantime, Matteo, if you go to our website, www.lastrumanheroes.com, you'll see a coin with the face or the head or in profile of Marcus Junius Brutus. Why did he get a coin? Any thoughts? Uh, He became, like, for a brief period of time, master of the coin. I think this is a coin he had minted of himself.
1: But I thought Caesar was the only kind of, it was the only guy. Of
0: living, yeah. I think something happened. This happened, I don't know if this was shortly before or after the death of Caesar. I guess probably shortly after. Uh, But that is supposedly an image of Brutus. That's pretty funny. He had a beard. Yeah. wasn't very common back then. It was not common at all. It is kind of funny. I hadn't thought about that. It's a good point. So, so that's Brutus, Matteo. And then there was a man named Cassius. In 54 BC, we talked about it in the episode of Crassus. Oh,
1: that's this guy. Yeah, okay.
0: Deep in the Persian desert, many miles from the Euphrates, Rome's wealthiest man died. A horrible death. And then he drank liquid gold and became a goblet. That was Crassus. <laughs> what a
1: great way to go out. <laughs> yeah.
0: That was Crassus. And at Carhai, Roman arms suffered their worst defeat since the battle of... Cannae. Against Hannibal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And they, ne- they never avenged neither of them. No. Well, Cannae, I guess.
0: Cannae, can they, they sort of did. Cannae. But, 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 but Carhai never. I'm probably saying it wrong as well. No, not. I think it's Cannae. Yeah. So as we said in the episode, not every Roman legionary died in the desert that day because there was a legate, there was one serious guy who had tried to steer Crassus clear of the disaster that he knew was coming. That man's name was Cassius, or more specifically, Gaius Cassius Longinus. He was 32 years old, Matteo, at the Battle of Carrhae.
1: You know, that's another thing I think that preserved, that the reason the empire was able to stay so well preserved for longer than the Republic uh. Because for the Empire, it was legates leading armies, generals leading armies. It yeah. wasn't just senators and then they yeah. had some legates and general, like military men under them.
0: Yeah, they, they continued to professionalize. That process that yeah. Marius started continued, without a doubt. So this guy was 32 years old at the day of that horrendous defeat. And he managed to lead the surviving 10,000 Roman legionaries back into Syria where he served for a time as governor of Syria. It Very wasn't
1: granted to him, or you just took it over? No, I
0: think it was granted to him. The, 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 the Senate said, he yeah, was he was like successor yeah. To, yeah, that's right. And by the way, he wound up defeating the Persians in battle on a number of occasions. He was really good.
1: So he did everything that uh, Crassus thought he was going to do.
0: Everything that Crassus thought he was going to do, but could not. And in 50 BC, Mateo, so this is four years after the disaster at Karhai, Cassius returns to Rome on the very eve of civil war. And in 49 BC, he was elected tribune of the plebs. 49 is when Caesar crossed the Rubicon. And as soon as Caesar crossed the Rubicon, Matteo, Cassius left Italy to join Pompey in Greece. So he was clear what side he was on from the get-go. He was on the Republican side. Right. He took control of part of the Republican feat, uh, fleet. sorry. He sailed to Sicily, he burned a good chunk of Caesar's fleet that was sitting in Sicily. And then, Matteo, he learned of Pompey's death. And his first move was not to ask, it's like other guys have asked Caesar for forgiveness right away, not this guy. This guy instead sailed to Pontus, looking for support with Farnaces, or Farnaces. Farnaces, how'd you pronounce it last time? The uh, King of Pontus? Farnaces. But I, so, don't,
1: I don't. Why are you taking? I don't know if they're pronounced that way. I'm just doing it. Doing
0: I don't know, but here. at least this will be consistent. I like the way you pronounced it. it. Sounds right to me. So he went to find support with Farnaces. Why? I do not know.
1: It's probably Farnaces, to be honest. Farnaces? Yeah, but Farnaces just. I don't know. It's more funny.
0: All right. Well, Caesar caught him, Matteo, on the way. Cassius never made it to Farnaces, and Caesar compelled him to surrender. And then what did Caesar do? This is back when he still had his golden touch. He recruited him. He appointed him legate right away. Wow. Right away. And he used him, Matteo, in Alexandria. Against the forces of Metellus oh, and Pompey and, and... uh oh. No. In... Uh, sorry. In the civil Yes, way. no, you're absolutely right. He used him in Alexandria. Yes, you're right. He used him in Alexandria against Ptolemy. That's right. And then... He was planning on putting him in charge of Syria, Mateo, which was his old stomping grounds. But Cassius said, Caesar, I don't want to fight against my friends. I don't want to fight against Cato. And instead, he retired to Rome.
1: That's a very honorable thing to do, actually. It is. It says a lot about him as a person.
0: Yeah, he was a, he, you get the sense that he was a very principled guy. Right, he wouldn't just switch up as soon as the
1: tides change like Brutus yep. did. Yep. And then uh, get once again, the second time around.
0: Yeah, he was willing to stand up. He stood up to Crassus, stood up to Caesar, fought with Caesar when he thought it was right. And it seems, Matteo at this point, that Cassius wanted a consulship. But instead... Caesar put Brutus on the fast track for a consulship. The next one open was in three years. And I'm I'm quoting from Plutarch here. Brutus had received the most honorable of the praetorships for the current year and was to be consul three years later, having been preferred to Cassius, who was a rival candidate. For Caesar, as we are told, said that Cassius urged the juster claims to the office. In other words, Cassius definitely deserved it more. But for that his own part, he could not pass Brutus by.
1: So Caesar's put in a tricky situation. He has two strong allies, one arguably stronger, like yeah. more influence. His, his name carries more influence. And so more like,
0: experience, definitely much more experience in the field as a commander of troops.
1: No, but I'm saying, uh, Brutus, his saying name Brutus' yeah. yeah carries Brutus, more influence. Yeah, that's right. And it's important, and especially that, that family, the Brutus Yeah, he needs to have yeah. on his side.
0: Is it that, Mateo, or has he just had a soft spot for the guy personally? I think that too, of course. Yeah. I think that too. But still. Because why did Caesar need the Brutii? Because they were
1: influential in the Senate. They were a big family and they were yeah a family. Like when all the pictures of LJ Brutus started coming up, it's a family known for deposing kings. Yeah. So he
0: needed to keep them on side. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, did I say that Brutus was Cassius' brother-in-law?
1: No, you did not say that. Yeah.
0: That must have been tricky. Yeah. So... Cassius, you get the sense, maybe didn't hate Caesar from the get-go, although I think that there was that. But at this point, there it was personal. He hated Caesar and what Caesar was doing deeply, and Caesar somehow suspected, as Plutarch said, and this is Plutarch quoting Caesar, What think ye doth Cassius want? I like him not over much, for he is much too pale. I don't know what the pale thing means.
1: I don't understand what that means. Yeah, I don't
0: know what the pale thing means, but but Caesar there's Caesar suspected Cassius because I think Cassius didn't hide it. Maybe he's pale because he's just horrified by what Caesar's doing when he's around him. He's yeah. not kissing Caesar's butt. Right. He's just kind of playing it straight, the way he feels.
1: Him. Seems like he's always thought that Caesar's antics are just, like, annoying, you know?
0: Yeah. So, and, and maybe there's some element here as well of Brutus getting promoted over him, that bothered him. But it seems that more than anyone else, Cassius was right there at the top of the list of those that wanted to see Caesar die. That's Cassius? That is Cassius, yeah. If you go to our website, www.lostradios.com. Oh my God, he looks like
1: um, Robert De Niro. Yeah, he actually does look very De Niro-like. He looks like, yeah, he looks like, say hello to my little friend. Yeah. Like, uh, you know? Is that Robert De Niro?
0: Say hello to my little friend. Wait, that's Robert no, De Niro? No, no, no that that's acting. not De Niro. That's uh, Pacino. That, he looks like Pacino. Then. Yeah. You don't see it? More Pacino than De Niro? I think so. Yeah, I think the mouth is very, it's actually very pacino I think the face and just the nose yeah. and everything. Yeah. It's just the hair that's not... And he has the Caesar cut. Yeah. Very unoriginal hair. So, we have two conspirators, Mateo. We have Brutus, we have Cassius, and then there was a man named... Decimus. Specifically, his name was Decimus Junius Brutus Albinus. And yeah, he's related to the other Brutus. His father, grandfather, and great grandfather had all been consuls. And he was adopted as a young man, Matteo, by a guy named Posthumus Albinus, who was the last member of an ancient patrician family. And remember, there was this Roman custom if you were going to die without heirs, you adopt someone. Yeah, you would adopt somebody who was probably an adult, to carry on the name. And that's what happened with Decimus. Decimus served in Gaul under Caesar, Matteo, from the very beginning. In fact, remember the battle we talked about against the Veneti? It was a naval battle. The Veneti were the ones that had the sails, I the ships sails. I do remember, yeah.
1: I do remember. They only so, had oars.
0: Yeah, so, so the commander of, the, of the Caesar's navy was Decimus. Really? Yeah. He also fought in the final battle at Alessi, uh, Alessia against Vercingetorix. So this guy was with Caesar the full eight years in go. Seasoned, relied upon, successful. And when Caesar crossed the Rubicon, Decimus stayed with Caesar. He didn't flip side, so he's one of those guys. So that's but, honorable, it's pretty honorable yep. of him as well. And he was immediately put in charge. So he was like
1: uh, just another Labinus, basically.
0: He was another Labinus, but he didn't leave. So more like Mark Antony in that sense. He followed Caesar. Right. You know, come what may, I'm with you.
1: But was Mark Antony a patrician?
0: No. Mark Antony so, was a pleb.
1: And Labienus was a...
0: He was a patrician. All right. Yep. And he was put in charge of the fleet, Matteo. Decimus was put in charge of the fleet. And he did amazing things on Caesar's behalf. Here's one example. Caesar's, uh, the Pompeian forces, the forces of the Republic, were holding the city of Massilia.
1: Mersais yeah. Big important city in the south of France, south of Gaul. And an ancient Greek, Greek colony. colony. Yeah. Right. It's been around for longer than Rome. Yeah. I'm
0: pretty sure. It is. I think you're right. So, Pompeii. I really
1: thought about it, but I guess it's one of the oldest cities in Europe.
0: It's got to be one of the oldest cities in Europe, yeah. Hmm. So, this city had sided with Pompeii, it was holding out against Decimus. Decimus laid siege, Matteo. And in 30 days, Decimus built a fleet. From scratch. 30
1: days. That's crazy. That's some Carthaginian. Yeah,
0: 100%. Things. That's Carthaginian Jedi type stuff. And he wound up defeating Pompey's fleet in open battle and captured the city of Massilia for Caesar. Caesar loved this guy, Matteo. Loved him so much that he made him a second level heir. Number one, wow. Octavian. Next wow. on the list. Yeah. I had no
1: idea. I thought next on the list would have been Brutus Brutus. No, it was this huh. dude. So, so he must have really
0: loved him like a son. Truly loved him like a son. So, at any rate, somehow, some way, Decimus, this almost son, Decimus, the guy that fought eight years in Gaul with Caesar and through the Civil War, wound up hating Caesar. And I don't know why. I can't figure it out. I read Plutarch. I read ancient sources. I read modern but sources. But quotes saying
1: that he hated him.
0: Well you're going to see what happens in a second. But yeah. And, and in fact, Matteo, he was conspiring with Cassius even before Brutus got involved. In the fall of 45 BC, when Caesar returned to Rome from Munda, a conspiracy, Decimus was already involved in a conspiracy to kill Caesar. And if you take a look at our website, www.lashormanheroes.com, you'll see an image of Decimus.
1: Wait, so why did he have a coin made after... That coin is kind of crappy.
0: Yeah, it is. That looks like a a cheap coin. Yeah, his nose got kind of bent out of shape there. No, he had plastic surgery. Yeah. So we have the three main conspirators, Matteo. There were very more. Uh, Very more?
1: (laughs) There was very more. Mm, (laughs) There
0: were very more. There were many more. On February 22nd of 44, Mateo, only seven days after Antony tried sticking a crown on Caesar's head, the first serious meeting of conspirators happened. We're past the blah-blah stage, the, yeah, we should do something. Now it's, how are we going to do it? Not, what are we going to do? We're killing Caesar, how do we do it? The first meeting of, we're going to kill him, was between Brutus and Cassius, even though Decimus is an OG of the conspiracy. He wasn't at that meeting. So they had some drinks, they commiserated. But Cassius kind of didn't... He didn't not like Brutus, like he didn't feel
1: like a little jealous. Oh, he
0: did feel jealous of Brutus. He did. He did. That was definitely part of his But he thought,
1: he probably thought that without Caesar, the clear, like... Perhaps. ...superior to the... um, Between them Perhaps,
0: yeah. Maybe if Caesar's not here messing around with the order of things, I'll rise to the top. And at this meeting, they decided, not only are we going to do something, but we're going to need help. So they started immediately recruiting co-conspirators. Because their objective, Matteo, wasn't just to murder Caesar. But, I mean, that was, yeah, they wanted to murder Caesar. But more importantly, they wanted to make a big statement, right? We yeah, won't tolerate We don't tyrants.
1: tolerate tyrants, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and for a statement, they needed the support. It couldn't just be a couple of guys.
1: Right. They needed the whole Senate. Yes,
0: yeah, as, as many as possible. So they tried to recruit around 60 senators. Remember, there are 600 senators at this point. So, And a good, probably a good chunk of the New 300 were probably
1: Caesar supporters because they were just made senators.
0: Definitely. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. A lot of them just couldn't be relied upon. They loved Caesar because Caesar gave them everything they had. So what were they looking for? They weren't looking for Caesar men. They weren't looking for kids in the Senate. They were looking for mature kind of 40-year-olds that they could rely on. And they moved very fast because they knew that Caesar was leaving town on March 18th. Remember, Caesar was going to march right. east.
1: He was going to march on
0: Persia. Yep, to avenge the death of Crassus. Even though Cassius kind of already did that. So. He did. But, he did, yeah. but, but one thing he didn't do, it's he new. didn't get the legionary standards that had been captured by the pyramids. Oh, Americans. right. That's a big disgrace. Yeah, that's a big one. So the last Senate meeting before Caesar is leaving town was going to be on March 15th. So these guys only had a couple weeks to get organized before that meeting. And one thing that surprised me, Mateo, is that there were two very important guys that were not included in the conspiracy. Number one on the list was Cicero. You said it earlier. You thought he was a conspirator, and I did too. They didn't even ask Cicero. You wow. Know,
1: they, That's pretty crazy. Yeah, they knew I have that, no idea. They
0: knew that maybe Cicero didn't yeah. love Caesar, but they also thought he was too cautious.
1: Like Cunctitor.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's just- he, yeah, it just comes with age, I guess. Yeah, that's a that's a good connection. Like Quintutor. He was just going to he wasn't going to be up for bloody murder. And the other guy was Mark Antony. Mark Antony had been approached the prior summer by one of them. And he had said no at that time, and he never informed Caesar. You and I talked about this. It surprised both of us. So, Mark Antony was out of it. Cicero was out of it. And a lot of them said, "Hey, listen, if we're not going to recruit Mark Antony, we should also kill Mark Antony alongside Caesar." And Brutus is the one that said, no. we got to make this thing just about Caesar. It's not about Caesar's laws. It's not about anybody else in, in this regime. It's only about Caesar. So they considered a b- bunch of different ways to kill him, Mateo. Or where should we kill him? They thought maybe at the gladiatorial games. Maybe there was a bridge, and maybe they could push him over the edge of the bridge into the water and there'd be men in the water wait, waiting with knives to stab him or maybe when he's walking on the via sacra through the forum the but, gladiator
1: games would be cool that'd be like the movie gladiator yeah
0: it would have been cool <laughs> they'd throw him into the pits but there was one little problem so caesar didn't have official bodyguards as crazy as that sounds really he did not but he had friends friends that were buff right tough guys right forces yeah Maybe they were old. Like Polly. Yeah, old legionnaires or or something. Like who? Like Polly. Polly, yeah, exactly. Hey, Polly. Yeah, Yeah. I think you're probably right. It completely goes with the whole mob concept. Yeah, he has those guys, wise guys, that were hanging out with him, right? Right. So maybe it's not going to be so easy to kill him in public because he's going to have his wise guys, but there's one place where the wise guys can't go.
1: Where's that? In the Senate Senate House? Yeah. Wise
0: guys don't but, go in the Senate. But the Senate burned down. Yeah, but now it's being held in the Theater of Pompeii. So for the time being, it's basically like the Senate. Capiche? Capiche? Ca- <laughs> Capiche. Like, yeah, hey, you know what? That's a good idea. Let's kill him in the Senate. Okay. When are we going to do it? On March 15th? Because he's leaving town three days later. That's the last meeting. Okay. Wow, so, it's kind of like Godfather 1. Oh, it is a lot like Godfather. You were talking about the final scene? Yeah. Yeah. The baptism scene. Yeah, and yeah. are showing all the murders. Yep,
1: that
0: was nice. That was what they decided. So we saw in last episode, Matteo. A lot of people had a bad feeling about the Senate meeting on March fifteenth. Caesar's wife, Calpurnia, had nightmares and tried to stop him. the 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 seers had visions and they tried to stop him. The Greek philosopher tried to stop him on the way and put a scroll in his hands. Uh, so what did the conspirators do? Because at, you remember at one point, Caesar said, you know what, that morning of March 15th, and he said, maybe, ah, maybe I should just send Ant- Mark Antony and, and cancel the meeting. So who did the conspirators send to convince him to go? Brutus. Decimus. The guy that Caesar loved like a son, the guy that was That's in Caesar's so sad. will. I feel bad for Caesar. Me too. I really do. Me too. And he gave him this whole story of, we're gonna give you fantastic honors, and maybe you're gonna be king of the territory outside Italy, and how could you not show up to the Senate when we're doing all these awesome things for you, Caesar? I love you like a father. And it worked, Matteo. So Caesar marched into the theater of Pompeii with that scroll in his hand that was gonna tell him everything. And never marched out. And he never marched out. He took his seat. That's a sad way to go out. It is, and it gets sadder. Listen to the details. He took his seat, Matteo, on that special golden seat that he had installed in the Senate. And then a senator named Lucius Tilius Kimber presented a petition to Caesar. There was some relative of his that had been exiled and he wanted Caesar to bring him back. Caesar turned him away saying, I exiled the guy, I don't want to talk about this again. Whereupon Kimber grabbed Caesar's toga and he pulled it down around his shoulders. Like, kind of restricting Caesar's moment, movement. Whereupon Caesar shouted, "Ista quidem vis est! What is this violence?" Then somebody went for the first stab, and that someone was a guy by the name of Publius Servilius Casca. Caesar was able to fend off the blow. It was a glancing blow to his neck. It wasn't the killing blow. And what were his last words, Matteo? Listen to this. Caesar tried to defend himself against all of them. He was fighting back, and he was a tough guy. But when Brutus approached, this gives me chills. Is it giving you chills?
1: Is this Decimus Brutus or other no, Brutus? No,
0: this is the Brutus. Okay. Marcus Junius, when Marcus Junius Brutus approached, Caesar stopped fighting back. He just pulled his toga down over his head, and he let it happen. So he didn't say
1: "et tu, Brutus."
0: So, according to Plutarch, he didn't say "et tu, Brutus" or "et tu, Brute." He said it in this in Greek: "Kai su teknon. and you, child. That's wow!
1: I don't know how Brutus did it. And Brutus stabbed him, Mateo. The immense guilt. Oh, what a, what a in little, the groin. What a. Oh, what a what a little. Sh- yeah. I don't want to curse on the podcast, but what a, what a little. What?
0: Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah.
1: First yeah. of all, I wouldn't be able to do that with the shame I'd have and the guilt. Yes. And that's how you treat him. Yes. Especially in the groin. What the Especially hell is that? Especially
0: in the groin. Like, give him some mercy. Just
1: do it it's quick. It was either
0: because Brutus was a loser and didn't know how to wield a knife, or he wanted, wanted to make it even more personal and even more humiliating. I don't know. I cannot bear, cannot stand Brutus after everything I've heard about him. I just, there are so many things he could have done. There are so many ways he could have gone about resisting Caesar or changing Caesar's course. And this is what he did. So 23 knife blows would land Mateo.
1: So basically he just got to benefit from Caesar then benefit from the Senate and then stab someone in the balls. Yes, yes.
0: Yes. Screw this guy, bro. And after the 23 knife blows fell, Mateo, this is what Plutarch said. Brutus and his partisans, just as they were, still warm from the slaughter, displaying their daggers bare, went all in a body out of the Senate House and marched to the Capitol, not like fugitives, but with glad faces and full of confidence, summoning the multitude to freedom and welcoming into their ranks the most distinguished of those who met them." Yay! Look at us, guys.
1: We murdered someone.
0: Yeah, in cold blood. Defenseless. At first, things were calm in the streets, Matteo, because people respected Brutus. They were in a state of shock. But, when the will of Caesar was opened and it was found that he had given every Roman citizen a considerable gift, And when the multitude saw his body carried through the forum, all disfigured with its wounds, they no longer kept themselves within the restraints of order and discipline. But after heaping round the body benches, railings, and tables from the forum, they set fire to them and burned it there. Wait, he gave money to every citizen of Rome? Everybody. Even the ones living outside of the city of Rome? Everybody. He planned for his death. Wow. And then, lifting the blazing brands on high, the people ran to the houses of the murderers with intent to burn them down, while others went every wither through the city, seeking to seize the men themselves and tear them to pieces.
1: That's a pretty funny turn of events, I'm not going to lie. That is the Like, how are they going to try to convince everyone, oh, we had to do it because he was a tyrant after everyone just got money? Yeah. Funny.
0: So Caesar had... The last laugh. Yeah, And he will have more laughs to come. We're going to talk about them more during Octavian, but listen to this quote from Plutarch. At the time of his death, Caesar was fully 56 years old. Young guy. Yeah, He did everything in such a short period of time. He did because
1: really he didn't start until he was 40 something. Yeah,
0: by the time he was 40. It happened in a very concentrated period of time. He was only 56 years old, but he had survived Pompeii not much more than four years while of the power and dominion which he had sought all his life at so great risks and barely achieved at last, of this he had reaped no fruit, but the name of it only, and a glory which had awakened envy on the part of his fellow citizens. However, the great guardian genius of the man, whose help he had enjoyed through life, followed upon him even after death as an avenger of his murder, driving and tracking down his slayers over every land and sea until not one of them was left. But even those who in any way soever either put hand to the deed or took part in the plot were punished. Nobody escaped.
1: You know, it's kind of sad. Every member of the triumvirate had
0: a horrible death. They did, all three of them. They flew too close to the sun. What was like the, yeah. the Greek myth of the uh, the guy uh, who had the wings of that yeah, were yeah, made out of yeah, wax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made out of wax. What was his name? Icarus. No, it's like Icarus. You sure? I think so. Something like that. I think you're right. Something like that. Icarus. Icarus. Icarus, Icarus, Icarus yeah, Icarus. no, it's Icarus. So, all the conspirators, Matteo, and certainly the principal conspirators would suffer. They would suffer. They would not escape their fate, and. I could give you a little preview of what happens to the three main guys we talked about just now, or we can cover it in a later episode when we talk about Agrippa and Octavian. What do you think? Do you want a little preview? I think we need a little preview right now. Okay, a little preview. Let's start with, which one do you want to start with? Decimus. Decimus. Okay. Decimus left Rome immediately to take his governorship that had been granted by Caesar of Cisalpine Gaul. That's funny. Funny indeed. He would be dead within six months of Caesar, Matteo, at the hands of a Gallic chieftain that was loyal to Mark Antony and loyal to Caesar. That's some sweet payback, yeah, right sweet, there. Sweet, sweet justice. Next, Cassius. Okay, Cassius fled east, where he had connections due to his obviously his, you know his, the service there. He had served very honorably. He would be pursued, Matteo, by Octavian and Mark Antony. And Mark Antony defeated him in battle, and Cassius wound up committing suicide, was buried on the island of Thassos in the northern Aegean Sea. And finally, Brutus. Brutus, Brutus, Brutus. I still can't believe Brutus.
1: Yeah, honestly, screw that guy. I
0: I couldn't agree with you more. Screw Brutus. Yeah. He had nothing to do, no connection, couldn't hold a candle to his ancestor. He was a loser. Yeah, he was. So, Brutus fled East as well with Cassius. They were the dynamic duo. And by the way, I didn't mention this, but Cassius and Brutus were so- supposedly Stoic philosophers, which makes me even more annoyed.
1: Yeah, right? <laughs> philosophers are just a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah, like, with
0: like, the exception of Marcus yeah. Aurelius, who was... Oh, yeah, not all of them were, obviously, like,
1: Plato and yeah. Aristotle. Quick, yeah. yeah.
0: Anyways, shortly after Cassius was defeated, Matteo Brutus was also defeated, and he wound up falling on his sword saying the following, these were his last words, according to Plutarch, which I don't understand, here they are, by all means must we fly, but with our hands, not our feet. <laughs> Whatever that means. Whatever that means. It just, just seems like he was a yeah. failed philosopher yeah. as well, like yeah, he just, just said a bunch of BS. Yeah. Don't get it, don't get it at Yeah, just die, you loser. Anyways, within two years, Matteo, all the principal conspirators would be dead. And we'll see their ends in the coming episodes in more detail. But I guess that leaves that question for these conspirators, Mateo. And we're not going to rank them like we rank, uh, we have done we do traditionally in our episodes. But were these guys heroes? No. Were they defenders of the Republic? How should we think of them?
1: They were defenders, I guess they were defenders of the Republic. That doesn't make them heroes, though. Yeah. The Republic in itself was just a big country club at this point. It wasn't yeah. even looking out for the people. Yeah. You know, It was a failed system. Yeah. And uh, what they did was murder someone in cold blood who was actually doing some change and doing some good things. Yes. You know? Say what you want about Caesar. He was an egomaniac. Of course he was. But he was doing good things. Yeah. You know, and the
0: people loved him for it.
1: At the end of the day, the people's what makes the city of Rome. Not the style of government. Not the politicians.
0: I I agree with you. I think where we... some of them had the potential to be heroes Like a guy like Decimus Or even a Cassius I really liked Cassius When we read about yeah, him in... who,
1: who would have known What Decimus could have done If he yep. was the one that succeeded Caesar yep. But yeah
0: So Mateo I created an image uh, In, uh, in chat GBT Of Caesar Walking into the theater of Pompeii I don't know if you like it and oh, and They
1: have the knives out
0: They have their knives out He's holding a scroll in his hand I'm going to put oh, this up To sad. the website as well It is sad indeed Sad indeed. So let's talk just a couple more minutes about Caesar, Mateo, before ending this special episode. In our last Caesar episode, part three, Caesar part three, you and I couldn't come to an agreement about the Hall of Heroes. Did it deserve or not? You were absolutely yes. And I wasn't absolutely no. I just couldn't come to a, a, a conclusion. But I've been thinking about this nonstop. I actually woke up in bed thinking about this a couple times, like in the middle of the night. And I've come around to your way of thinking. I'm ready to vote him in. Yeah? Yeah. I'm glad you came to see the light. Yeah. So, we're not going to put him up for a poll. Caesar, Gaius Julius Caesar, you were a complicated guy.
1: Yeah. And listen, real heroes aren't the ones from fantasies or from cartoons where I just, the perfect humans. Yes. Real heroes are complicated. But Caesar, at the end of the day, did more good than bad, I think, for, Rome, for Rome's people.
0: I think he did as well. And I think your fundamental point, that Caesar didn't kill the Republic, the Republic was dead, is valid.
1: And the Republic wasn't even, it was a failed institution by that yeah. point. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It was a it, question... The
0: Republic doesn't mean democracy.
1: Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean...
0: That is true. The Republic was never a democracy. And it, it had ceased to function well... I mean, it really started to go downhill big time with the Gracchi. You know, yeah, it's it's been a short couple hundred of years. a yeah. hundred years before. Yeah. So I, I was also thinking, t- two additional things, listen to this. One is, and you're not going to like this, I was thinking about his political score. Like, I, I actually think his political score, I think you're overrating him politically. How? Because I think he achieved what he did. He achieved dictator for life. He did all those things with his exceptional military abilities not with his political abilities i think he strong-armed his way into this and that's why he died and that's what makes octavian and what he would accomplish as augustus so extraordinary because he actually did use his political superpowers so that's what i was thinking that that caesar's Political score should be a little bit lower. I think you overrated him just but a little you bit. You said
1: yourself this episode that he had this incredible ability of hearing the music uh, up until the end. He did, up and until he the used end. It. He harnessed it, you know? Uh, he not only did he, he. He built like a retinue of allies politically, putting them in different provinces, you know, things like with the tribunes of the plebs, with Labinus. You know, that's all political. Uh, I think he. Obviously, he, his, he wouldn't have been so successful if it wasn't for his military campaigns that brought him no, notoriety and power. But he organized the triumph, it, like it was mostly spearheaded by him. Um, he did a lot of things politically, which were super savvy. And I don't think I'm overrating him. I think right at the end uh, is where he lost his grip. But I'd be willing to lower it back to an 8.8, which is my original score.
0: Okay, so you go 8.8, and I'll keep mine at a 7. I think that's fair. And that makes virtually no change to his ranking. He's still 95%. And uh, 95% puts him in... Second he, place. Yeah, he's he's in solid second place. It, and he's in the Hall of Heroes. And he deserves to be. And I'm happy that we're ending Caesar on the same page. Uh, but I had one additional thought that I wanted to run past you. What? Maybe it's too late to do this, but we're sort of a quarter of the way into the podcast, we think. And I think that there was one additional ranking category that maybe we should have put from the beginning. Why? Which is, this is, a, this is a story about lost Roman heroes, this podcast. And I was thinking maybe there could have been a category about lost. How lost is this Roman hero? On a scale of zero to 10, or zero to no, three, or zero the to thing five? Is,
1: I think, I'll tell you why. Because right. I, I'll tell you why I th- we shouldn't have that. Because this is the ranking of heroes. Yes. To be a hero, you don't have to be lost. Yes, that's true. So I think maybe you know, and we could at one point reassess what we w- what we're ranking. Maybe we could have ranking of losses and ranking of heroes. Yeah. Whatever. But if we're ter- in terms
0: of ranking a hero, you don't have
1: to be lost to be a hero.
0: Yep. Yeah. You know. That's fair enough. Okay. Let me run something else past you here. What? Since this is a special episode, we have a chance to talk. We have a couple more minutes to talk about the podcast in general. Is this a good point or should we have a special episode, which could be a short episode, in which we go through all of our lost Roman heroes and reevaluate our rankings or are we going to bore our listeners to death? Uh, I think we might bore people to death. You think? I don't know.
1: I don't know. I thought we could have done it. I've, we could put a poll up and ask the people
0: if if they're willing if to listen you. to an episode on kind of going through summarizing because we have a lot of lot of new listeners. Right, there are not a lot that have been with us since the beginning. There are a lot that have joined us for this journey. I don't know if they start at the beginning or they start at the last episode.
1: And honestly, a little summaries. Uh, And Our our little summaries on these guys Would probably be a lot better than what those episodes were Yeah Because they were rough The
0: the first few were a little rough But I was thinking maybe we could do an episode Which is just kind of five minutes On On each person On each of the people that we've covered
1: I I thought that'd be interesting And I wanted to do that as well I brought it up in the past
0: Okay So question for you, Mateo Should we do it as our next episode? Because the next We're about to get into some heavy stuff right we're going to our next episode i think is agrippa and after agrippa we go into octavian and octavian is probably going to be a few parts right? at least a couple parts right to octavian don't you think
1: yeah i so, think it's going to be at least two
0: at the least i think it's going to be there's a, so
1: much to talk about for him
0: yeah so that's my question my question is should we do another special episode before we keep going with Agrippa and Octavian? Because we're now at this 25-episode mark, or do we make it through Agrippa and Octavian and then do a break before Tiberius?
1: I say we do that. I say we make it right into the beginning of the Imperial Era. Okay. And right when the Imperial Era starts. Then...
0: Okay, perfect. Let's do that. So, to our listeners, please join us next week for Agrippa? Agrippa, who was the very best buddy of a young man known as... A young genius. A young genius. And I think we'll see that Agrippa was a genius as well. A young man named Octavian. So that's it. This is it for Caesar. Thank you for sticking with us for what four wound up episodes. being four episodes on Caesar. We really hope you enjoyed it. Welcome, Caesar, to the Hall of Heroes. And thank you to you all for listening to us. Please send us an email if you like the podcast or you have ideas on somebody you'd like to see on the list. We've gotten a few of those emails, and everybody that's been suggested has got on the list and is going to get an episode. Our email is info at lostromanheroes.com. Or you can send us a direct message on Instagram at Lost Roman Heroes or on Twitter, uh, hashtag Lost Roman Heroes or at I don't know the difference between the two, but you can find us on both of them, more or less with the same handle. And well,
1: it's at Lost Roman
0: Heroes. At Lost a Roman hashtag Heroes. Hashtag
1: is just like, a, it's like. Um, Isn't
0: hashtag Instagram?
1: So no, when you tag someone and when you direct them, it's <laughs> at Lost Roman Heroes and a hashtag. You we could create a hashtag for Lost Roman Heroes. Which means, like, when you post with that and you click on the hashtag, you can see all posts with ah, under hashtag.
0: I did not know that. Yeah. All right. That's very cool. All right. Do you have anything to say before we say over and out? No, not really.
1: Except I knew that Caesar was a hero and I was right at the end of the day.
0: <laughs> okay. You were right at the end of the day. Thank you, everyone. We look forward to talking to you next week.